The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado. Made for more. Learn more at Chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 122 of the On The Banks podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Back for a unexpected but happily Gator Bowl preview for Rutgers football, taking on number 17 Wake Forest this Friday at 11 a.m. in Jacksonville, Florida. The game will be airing on ESPN and quite an adventure. We uh, obviously had the emergency podcast last week. Um, I welcome back Lance Glenn, our former host, and had a pretty candid discussion. And, you know, I've, I've written about it a little bit, too. And, you know, I, I, I still think this is an impossible situation for Rutgers football heading down to play Wake. Essentially, they're going to have four practices over the, you know, eight-day notice. It was official last Thursday, two days before Christmas. The team reported on Christmas night to the Hale Center. They practiced on Sunday. They practice again on Monday. They're flying to Jacksonville on Tuesday. Probably get a practice in before. And then they'll be there Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday, obviously, won't be uh, much of a practice with kickoff 11 a.m. on Friday. Just unbelievable situation. Obviously, you know, Greg Schiano, I think Rutgers fans can be very confident that he's doing everything in his power to get this team ready to play. And, you know, the coaching staff, I think the continuity there is important. Um, obviously, Rob Smith, defensive coordinator, is gone. Uh, Shiano touched on it during his press conference uh, today, Monday, that he would uh, be calling the defense. But in essence, you know, between uh, Bob Frazier, who has served as defensive coordinator for Rutgers previously, you know, that he has the ability to obviously step in, as well as, um, you know, even Fran Brown being able to help out in terms of playing calls. So, uh, you know, there's that continuity on defense, but within the entire coaching staff, uh, you know, the fact that everyone's been there for two years offensively, um, I think that's really the big question mark in terms of, you know, Shiano hinted last week that they're going to keep it simple, you know, gave nothing up at all. His direct quote when asked about the roster was that he would not touch it with a 10 foot pole in terms of the question, you know, he was asked specifically about players that have left for the NFL draft, Isaiah Pacheco, Bo Melton, also Ola Kunle Fatukazi, among others, Julius Turner. No definitive answer on who will play. I mean, it just sums up how crazy this situation is, is that we don't even know the roster, let alone the two deep for this game. We don't know the roster. Who will be back? Adam Korsak was in Australia, may still be in Australia. I don't know if people want to track all the flights from Australia to New York City. Uh, in the last few days, but um, we don't know if he's going to be there. Team MVP, you know, they had their <laughs> they had their banquet and uh, team awards given out three weeks ago. Um, so just an unprecedented, wild situation. Have no idea what to expect from this team. Wake Forest, listen, people, I think fans are hearing Wake Forest and they think of Wake Forest, you know, 20 years ago. They've been to a bowl game six years in a row. Uh, they're the fifth highest scoring team in the country. They've scored over 50 points several times. My concern with the defense is you're going to have a lot of players out there, and Shiana did hint at this, that a lot of players are going to play. 
I think you're going to see true freshmen, redshirt freshmen that have played one, two games ever out on the field in this game. And, um, you know, I think that the potential for this to get ugly is certainly there. I think Rutgers offensively is going to try to um, do what they do best, which is not turn the ball over, have ball control, and try to capitalize on turnovers. Wake Forest does, you know, have a tendency that Sam Hartman, their uh, really, really good quarterback, has 36 touchdowns. He's thrown for almost 4,000 yards, but he has thrown for 14 interceptions, 11 coming in the last five games when they've gone just two and three. So, the potential to do that is there, but you know, again, uh, as we know, as Rutgers fans, we always worry about the defense wearing down. And I think the real, the real key, of course, is the start to this game. And I just worry that if you know Wake Forest gets a couple scores in the first quarter, things could unravel quickly. But listen, you have to commend Chiano, the players, the coaching staff, all the support staff for what they're doing and what they're attempting. It's really, it's never been done before in college football. That I'm aware of, at least in the modern era, accepting an invitation to a bowl game in a matter of eight days, going to a major bowl, lead up to New Year's Eve college playoff games, and playing a nationally ranked team, you know, lost in the ACC championship, veteran team in Wake Forest, really, really good football team. And Rutgers is going to go there and try to do the impossible. I would be the happiest person in the room if they do it and would be the first to stand up and say I was wrong. But, uh, we're going to see what happens. It's uh, it's quite the undertaking. And I think Shiano is in his uh, sweet spot right now in terms of, you know, being able to, to cram and, and, and plan and, and engineer this type of effort. I think that's when he's at his best. And he loves being cagey with the press. And he was today on, on several fronts. Uh, it's really going to be 11 o'clock Friday. And all of us are going to be uh, finding out for the first time you know, what, what Rutgers has and, and what they're going to do and, and who's even there on the sidelines. So in an effort to get us ready for Friday's game, the biggest bowl game in Rutgers program history, we bring in the greatest Rutgers quarterback in program history, also current radio analyst for Rutgers football, Mike Teal. Happy to have him back and we welcome him in now. It's my pleasure to now welcome back to the On The Banks podcast, Rutgers great and current radio analyst for Rutgers football, Mike Teal. Mike, thanks so much for being back. Who would have thought we would have been back? Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking some football. Well, we had you uh, for the midseason review, and I always plan to ask you back for the postseason review. Little did I know that it would be to talk about an unprecedented situation with the Gator Bowl. Obviously, the invite coming uh, late last week on Thursday, two days before Christmas. Here we are. Speaking on the Monday before the game, which takes place Friday, 11 a.m. in Jacksonville, Florida on ESPN. And you'll be doing the game with Chris Carlin on Rutgers Radio. How just insane is this entire (laughs) experience? What has it been like for you in terms of dealing with it behind the scenes with the radio? But also um, just your overall thoughts on what this means for Rutgers football. Sure. Well, I mean, first off, it's obviously unprecedented. I I think it's, you know, shows kind of the, the times that we're in with this whole COVID world. I was just watching the news before we jumped on this call, and there's been more NFL players that tested positive in the last two weeks than in the entire season last year. So obviously, it's a unique situation. I mean, you, you heard Coach Yano's press conference today. You know, As of this afternoon, they still didn't have a charter plane to take a, take a flight down with the team. So definitely unique in its own right. But I think it's an awesome opportunity for the seniors to have a chance to go out you know, with a bowl game, uh, something that they haven't had a chance to do in their time here. Uh, it's a great experience 
for the younger guys. And, and it kind of reminds me of back in 2005 when I was a redshirt freshman. It was our first bowl game. And though I didn't play, it was a great opportunity to learn what a bowl game was about, gain some experience, and it definitely set the tone uh, for the future years. So a lot I wanted to, uh, to, to go through uh, for this, you know, such a unique situation, but I wanted to start with Coach Ciano. You know, I just feel like in being on that call, with listening to him today, you know, this is just, I feel like he's made for this moment. Obviously, you know, he was uh, extra cagey. We don't even know going into this game who's actually on the roster, let alone the two deep. Uh, who's going to play in the game? What are his strengths that suit him for this type of situation, getting ready uh, getting a team ready in eight days to play a nationally ranked team on such a big stage. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge challenge, you know, let alone the fact that you know, we had players in Australia or Nebraska or wherever else um, just a couple of days ago, uh, not knowing that there was a bowl game, not knowing who the opponent was. I think that there's a lot of, a lot of pieces that are going to go into kind of making this whole operation work. And again, like Coach talked about on his on his press conference today, from logistically with Gilk and, and KMAC to getting everything organized, the coaching staff putting a plan together, uh, to the young coaches and the GAs breaking down the film for Wake Forest. Like typically, you know what your schedule is and, and you know who the bowl opponent is going to be more than a month out. And you have time to break down film and put together a plan. And you put together a plan three or four weeks prior. And then you kind of come back and revisit it. And then you get it ready for, you know, install for the players. Here, it's almost like a traditional game week uh, where you're breaking down film for, for 24 hours straight. And then you're putting a plan in place and you're trying to get the players you know, back accustomed to playing football. I know they've talked about they've gotten into their strength program when the season ended against Maryland, but that's much different than actually practicing and doing football moves. Uh, so they have a challenge physically to to get themselves uh, ready to play from a physical standpoint. I don't think there'll be an issue from a mental standpoint. I think if anything, they'll be more prepared because they'll do more walkthroughs. They'll spend more time in the film room. They don't really have to worry about school right now, but it's definitely a huge challenge. And, you know, like you said, I think Coach Ciano, uh, I, I think he's going to thrive and, and really get the team to buy into their backs are against the wall. No one thinks that they have a chance. And, uh, I do expect them to have a really good showing. So talking about the physical and the mental part of it, I wanted to ask you as a player, the emotional part of it in terms of, you know, getting ready to play a game. I mean, it, it's so unprecedented. I mean, they had their team banquet three weeks ago, you know, with anything in life, when you start something and you finish, and then, you know, there's a part of you that kind of puts it away. Um, how hard will it be for them to emotionally get ready for this game? Um, is it something you think when they get on that field uh, for kickoff that it will click? How challenging do you think it will be for them, knowing that a lot of them had moved on even from Rutgers already to then come back and potentially play in this game? Yeah, I think that the most challenging aspect of that will be the players that have already in their mind moved on that are obviously either going to train for the NFL or that, you know, I've finished their eligibility and they're going to graduate college and they're going to move on with their life. I think those guys are, are in a different mindset. Now they're coming back and, you know, they have an opportunity to play one last game. I think the underclassmen, you know, as they got back into the weight training off season program and, you know, a little bit of introduction with, with JB and, or, you know, Jay Butler and the strength staff, I think you realize how much you love to play football and, and how much you miss it, and especially not having the opportunity early on to be in a bowl game. I think for the players now, 
the young guys specifically, but even the older guys, I don't think there's any question that they'll be mentally ready and, and excited to go play. You work 365 days a year to play in, you know, 12 games, hopefully a 13th game every year. And to have the opportunity after, you know, for most of these guys never having a chance to go away for a bowl game, uh, I think it'll be a great opportunity. I think they're going to be really fired up about it, really excited. And, you know, at the end of the day, they have to go out and execute. And that'll, that'll be the challenge, the execution, not being around football for, you know, over a month now. So talking about that, I wanted to ask, you know, you mentioned the physical part of it being different, obviously. Um, and, and now that they ha- have been out of the, you know, the week to week cycle of playing games, um, obviously practice, you know, you can't replicate game speed. How much harder will that be for them now going kind of cold after a month playing the team, uh, you know, w- with the talent, especially on offense, Wake Forest has and the speed they play with to be able to adjust on the fly? Yeah, I think bowl games are always a little tricky in the sense that, you know, most of the time you've had a long layoff. You you do practice, but for the most part, bowl practices are, you know, an hour to an hour and 20 minutes for for the older guys or the starters. And then they really use bowl practices to, to develop young guys. That's not the case here with Rutgers this year. It's the fact that they're basically in a game week and they have to try to build them back up physically um, to be ready to play. So I think they're even at a more disadvantage than you would be normally, because at least for the past month, there'd be practices, and, you know, there'd be football activities going on. But now you're basically going into, you know, a shortened, a shortened game week from a preparation standpoint and then going out and playing, you know, an 11 o'clock kickoff Eastern time uh, down in Florida. I think that between the heat and between an early kickoff time uh, will also have a little bit of an impact on them. So I'll be interested to see how, you know, Coach Shiano and the staff, you know, get them going uh, really with this early kickoff time. So shifting gears a little bit, I wanted to ask you about Wake Forest and, you know, the, what the players' mindset on that team must be, you know, obviously preparing for Texas A&M for three weeks, a month, whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, a week out, they have a new opponent. How difficult will that be for them to adjust? And obviously there's a new game plan, but also, you know, is there – and obviously no disrespect towards Rutgers, but is, is there a potential letdown mentally for them just in terms of, you know, knowing they were playing a national uh, kind of powerhouse and then uh, not having that opponent anymore? Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, you know, having, you know, been planning to play uh, A&M for the last month. Uh, you know how good they are in, in the conference that they come from down in the SEC. So, you know, you have the expectation that you're going in and you're playing, you know, one of the best teams in college football this year. And and then, you know, things change with COVID and, you know, you get replaced with Rutgers. So you do ask yourself that question. I think you and I both do, Aaron. You know, is Wake Forest going to kind of take a, you know, a deep breath and, and not have, you know, that on edge focus that you would think that they would? I, I don't know. I've heard a lot of things about their coach. Um, their head football coach and their coaching staff and everything that I've read, uh, including Coach Giano's comments today in his press conference, is that, you know, they're one of the best staffs in the country. And that's really where, you know, coaches, you know, make their money, the ability to get kids to focus and and not worry about who the opponent is, worry, worry about more about trying to play, you know, your best game. So I think from our seat, you know, as Rutgers people, you kind of hope that that happens. I don't anticipate that Wake Forest will, will for any, you know, for any second, you know, kind of overlook Rutgers. Um, but I do think that fact that they've put in a plan, Wake Forest has getting ready for A&M, 
and then has to go back and basically put in a new plan to get ready for a new team does sort of level the field a little bit from a preparation standpoint uh, and a game plan standpoint. I think the place where Rutgers is at the biggest disadvantage is just not having, you know, those extra 10 to 15 practices prior to, you know, this game week. So Shiano talked about in the, uh, not today's press conference, but last week for the Gator Bowl, just in general about their their approach being simple, you know, focusing on the basics. You know, I wanted to ask you what you thought offensively, you know, is this the type of situation where you expect them to kind of stay the course in, t- in terms of how they ran the offense um, and be conservative? Or do you think this is a situation where, you know, obviously it's such a, a wild card type uh, of challenge ahead of them. Could they possibly maybe let it loose a little bit? And, and what do you expect in terms of Vedral and uh, Wimza in terms of play? I think from a from a game plan, you know, or, or philosophy perspective, you have to do what you're good at. And, you know, those those coaches evaluate, you know, every tape, every play, every rep, uh, you know, all the time. That's That's what they do for work. That's their job. And, you know, I think that they'll put the best plan together that they feel gives them a chance to win. Um, you know, I, I do think in bowl games, you know, typically, you know, historically, not in this situation, you get a little more time. So there are some creative things that get drawn up, some stuff that hasn't been done in the past. But I think with the situation that really both teams are in, more so Rutgers, though, um, that's probably not something that's going to happen. I think you'll see from a defensive standpoint, especially um, without there being a, a named defensive coordinator, I think you'll see things simple. I think you'll see a team that just gets lined up and plays fast. Um, if you look at, you know, Shiano's defenses back when uh, he was there the first time around, they didn't do a ton, but they got lined up and they played fast and they played hard. I think Rutgers football teams have played hard since coach has been back. Um, I don't think they've always played extremely fast. I think there's been some, some mental breakdown. So I expect the defense to line up, keep it fairly simple um, and, and play fast and, and really try to minimize the big plays that Wake Forest has kind of made all year on offense. I think again, similar to, to what we're saying in a defense, you do what you're good at, um, find ways to try to run the football and, and control the football, and then also have a couple sort of shot plays or gadget plays that, you know, might be able to create some easy, you know, big play touchdown type type opportunities. Just talking about your own bowl experience and, and what players can expect on Friday. Obviously, you know, it's you played in so many big games before, but bowl games are always, you know, the weird times, the weird locations, the crowds are never as intense, I think, for the most part for, for a regular season game. You know, uh, what kind of adjustment was it like for you when you played in those games? And I guess, was there a kind of feeling out or an adjustment period you guys went through, you know, during a, a game like that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different than the regular season. Uh, there's a long layoff. Like you said, there there are different parts of the country and different games against different opponents at different times. So I, I think that it's all things that, you know, the leaders and the coaching staff are, are going to make sure that the team's prepared for. But, uh, you know, just from my experience, having played in, in four and been a starter in three, you know, I think you have to really make sure you take care of the football and you get back to fundamentals. It's almost like a, a season opener where the team who wins turnover margin and special teams, a lot of times those teams win. And I think if Rutgers can take care of the football and create some turnovers, they're going to have a, a pretty good shot. You know, Wake Forest is a very good team, but 
you know, basically every team that the Rutgers has played on their schedule this year is a good team. I, I don't know if they'll be Wake Forest will be as physical as some of the teams that Rutgers has seen, which will be an advantage for Rutgers. But really just going out and taking care of the football. They're 5-0 and when they don't turn the ball over and they get a turnover. So if they can create turnovers and take care of the football, you know, I think they'll have a good chance. And, you know, that's what we did when when I was playing. We were able to take care of the football and, and create turnovers and, and really treat it like one of the first games of the year. Uh, and we had some success doing that. And obviously in this type of situation, a week ago, not even thinking they, they were going to play until another nine months. As the player's mindset, I mean, does this kind of have nothing to lose mentality or kind of situation help them in a way? Obviously, they're playing an opponent that, you know, has been nationally ranked all year. Like you said, definitely some differences from Big Ten opponents. But, you know, they, they've scored over 50 points a number of times. They're one of the most prolific offenses in the country. Um, certainly a daunting task regardless. Do you think maybe they'll be a little bit looser and just, um, like you said, focus on a little bit less, maybe help them in the long run facing this type of challenge? No, I think, you know, again, listening to what Coach said this afternoon and, you know, just knowing the way any football player or any football coach is wired when you when you line up and you start to play the game you line up to win and, and you expect to win and you know unfortunately that's not always the outcome uh, and it doesn't always go the way that you want but I, I think the expectation and the mindset from from everyone is you know they're playing this game because they expect to win you know whether the the betting lines or or the fans or whoever else thinks that they will or not I guarantee you that every player and every coach on that sideline you know, at 11.03 when kickoff happens on Friday morning, they think that they're going to win the game. And, and then you'll see what happens. Uh, I think, you know, just this whole situation is crazy. The fact that they're playing in a ball game after, you know, basically a month off and then needing a replacement, you know, it's it's crazy. So there could obviously be something crazy on, on Friday morning. So I think we're all looking forward to seeing it. So I wanted to talk to you about, you know, I, I was open last week. I, I thought, you know, initially it was definitely a mistake and, and a really, you know, I just feel like it's an impossible situation for them. As good as the coaches are, as excited as the players are to play this game, I, I guess my concern, being a, a longtime uh, Rutgers fan who's who's been a little scarred through the years, is worrying about perception of you know the national fan, you know, seeing a score or perhaps if you know things do get out of hand at some point. Do you worry now yourself, you know? how much you care about Rutgers football of any potential negative kind of perception or things that could come out of this when overall, you know, development wise and, and being able to go to this type of bowl game is obviously a positive, but do you worry about any kind of, I guess, negative that could come out of this? Or is this, you know, from a Rutgers perspective, it really doesn't matter. And this is a positive in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I think where you and I sit, I think it's a win-win for them, you know, because if they don't have a great performance, then, you know, you and me can both say, well, you know, they weren't anticipating the play. The players were home for the semester. You know, they, they threw it together in a matter of three days and they tried to make it work. And I think that that can be the storyline. Flip side, I think that, you know, if they go out and they have a really good performance, win or lose, you can say, you know, well, you know, everything in the program is continuing to trend in the right direction. and. You know, the more that they can get exposed to the nation and recruits and everything else, I think it's important. And, you know, it is what it is. There, there's been some games this year where, you know, they've gotten beat up and the scores weren't very good. And you still recruit through that. You still play through that. You still do everything. So it really, to me, it doesn't really change much if it's bad. Um, I think you, you just kind of brush it off as, a, you know, a kind of a desperate situation and you try to do your best and you made it work. But I think on the flip side, if, if you do well and, 
and you have a chance to, you know, win the game in the fourth quarter or you keep it close or you do win the game, then you say, well, you know, the program is, is probably further along than a lot of people think. And last question for you, Mike, just wanted to ask, you know, what the reception has been like for you with your former teammates and other people from the program, just how it's, you know, how excited those guys are uh, and all your teammates that went to so many bowl games year after year to see Shiano do this so quickly and, and this opportunity that's in front of them. Yeah, you know, we, again, the guys who I played with, they're, they're still some of my best friends and we talk a lot and, you know, a couple of the, the jokes and the chats have been, well, you know, we never got to play in a game like this, you know, meaning the Gator Bowl back then, the Big East ties didn't have the best bowl games and we kind of got kept out of some of the good ones. So, you know, these guys, they, they're not playing in one and now all of a sudden they're playing in the Gator Bowl. It's, you know, it's not right, not fair, but you know, that is, we, we just kid about that. I think everyone's excited about it. Listen, all, all the guys who, who I went to school with, the Ryan Leonard's and the Kevin Malice's and the Jeremy Zutas and the Ray Rice's, we were all part of, you know, kind of the transformation. We weren't there in the very beginning, but we were there when it finally got turned around. And, you know, the bowl games and winning bowl games became the expectation for us. And, you know, now that we're alum and, and we sit back and watch, we, we want to be proud of our team. And, and we are, and we want to watch them go to bowl games and experience bowl games and have fun, you know, like the players in the past got to do when, when we were there. So, you know, we're all excited about it, you know, and I think short notice, it'll probably be tough for, for a lot of the guys to get down there, but I think it'll be a really good stepping stone for the program, having the experience of going to a game. And again, like I said earlier, I think it's a really good comparison to 2005, where we got to our first bowl game and kind of got to experience a lot of things. And then the next year, you know, had a really big year. So I think it'll be a good start, you know, for this 2022 football team. It's ironic too, Mike, that, uh, you know, they're playing Wake Forest, who would have been your opponent in 06 in the Orange Bowl had it not been for for that West Virginia game. But uh uh, it's funny how things come full circle. Yeah, I can tell you the score would have been a lot different in that game than it would be in this game. <laughs> Mike Teal, Rutgers legend and radio analyst. Listen to him on the call. I do it all the time. I turn off the TV and listen to you and Carlin on the radio. Uh, you guys do a great job and excited to hear you on Friday. Thanks so much for being here again. I appreciate all your great insight. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to, to being down there in Jacksonville and, and supporting the team and you know, doing the game on the radio. So thanks again. Happy New Year. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks so much to Mike Teal for coming back and talking to us about Rutgers football, heading into this unprecedented situation. And always great to hear his insight, both with Coach Ciano, the players, the program, the alumni, all his former teammates, what everyone's thinking heading into Friday, the Gator Bowl, 11 a.m., Rutgers Wake Forest. Still seems surreal to say, but here we are. You can follow all of our coverage here at onthebanks.com. We're on Twitter, OTB underscore SB Nation. And let me just end it by saying, you know, listen, it, it would be an incredible, it, it would not only be maybe the greatest win in Rutgers football history, but it would be the biggest upset in Rutgers football history, I believe, and also the biggest upset in college bowl season, I think, at least modern day. For them to potentially do this against a, you know, a very good Wake Forest team, nationally ranked, high-powered offense, if Rutgers somehow did the impossible, it would live in lore forever, program lore, college football lore. And, you know, that is exciting, the fact that there is that opportunity. Do I think it's going to happen? Honestly, bluntly, no. But um, I guess, you know, listen, these next few days, hope is alive and well. I'm actually writing about can Rutgers be true Cinderella men? Rutgers doing the impossible and being, you know, Wake Forest on eight days notice would obviously be uh, in college football uh, historic. 
And lastly, I did want to emphasize, you know, how amazing this opportunity is for the players, the coaches. Obviously, they deserve it, earning it through the academic qualifier, the APR scores, which I wrote about this week. You know, it's an unprecedented situation. It's an, in my opinion, an extremely difficult, impossible situation. But at the same time, you have to be so happy for them. And it's exciting to see what they can do with this opportunity. Thanks for listening once again. Thanks for reading on thebanks.com. You can find all of our coverage all week leading up to game and we'll see what happens. So everybody have a happy new year. We'll be back next week to do our year in review and look ahead at 2022. Until then, thanks for listening once again here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.